It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. It's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force. In the old days, they'd ride over the hill and use their weapons to take your stuff, but now it is unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, or this latest silent thief, and that is government-induced inflation. Remember, socialism is not about free stuff. That's the carrot to get people to vote in, vote for it. But ultimately, socialism comes down to force. Thank you to each and every one of you who are joining us. You are each treasured. You're valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this moment. And thank you to this team I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Charlie, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And no complaining on your part, producer Steve, because it is a Brad Beck Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can't come back and say anything bad about that. (laughs) Not at all. In studio with me is my friend Brad Beck. He is a co-founder of Liberty Toastmasters. You have helped so many people, and the other founders of Liberty Toastmasters, help find their voices, be able to communicate, to be able to listen. And each day that goes by, I realize how valuable this is. And um, Ellen Raleigh and I had our first media training workshop on Saturday, which was a big success. And we talked about Liberty Toastmasters. I'm really hoping that candidates and communications managers and everyday people, we communicate every day, will start to join us at Liberty Toastmasters. I missed it on Saturday, but you said it was a great meeting. It was. And it's always great to be in studio with you, Kim. Thank you for having me. I love having people come to our meetings and really experience it for the first time and it's amazing what happens people get excited they're nervous they're unsure and then when they get the opportunity to stand up and speak in front of their peers something magical happens and you see where they are and then how if they keep coming back they progress time over time over time and it's just amazing to see the improvement it's like going to a gym you get better every time you go And it's not getting better from point A to point B. It's day by day. Every time you work at it, you practice it just like anything you want to improve. Well, and if you don't, what is it? If you don't exercise those muscles, you kind of lose it. It's the same with this. And it's so interesting. And I I think I was, I, I thought this as well. Initially, I thought, oh, I don't really need that. And then I crashed and burned. <laughs> and 
I realized I did. And so basically, it was like the Marines where, where they basically break you down so they can build you up. I crashed and burned so badly that I'd lost all my confidence. And I came to Liberty Toastmasters, and uh, I, I, I learned something every time I go. Well, we've all crashed and burned, and I'm, I'm laughing in sympathy with you because I've been there too. I've been at contests where I've worked my way up and got to a semifinals and forgot my whole speech. <laughs> so it happens to everybody. And the thing is, you've got to go past that. You've got to get back on the horse, as it were. So I'm glad you were out there talking to people and letting them know that we exist and it's an opportunity for anybody in the community to come back and join us anytime through on a saturday either in the north longmont or here in denver and we'd love to have them and they really improve their ability to communicate a message to persuade to understand and more importantly to learn listening and that is very important and also the evaluation component is uh, is very important as well uh, Liberty Toastmasters meets the Denver uh, group meets the first and third Saturdays of each month, month, and then North meets the second and fourth Saturdays of each month. Correct. And this Wednesday is Liberty Toastmasters Day on the show. I can't wait to listen. We get some great people coming up. We definitely do. Let's jump over to our quote of the day. And I was looking for leadership quotes. Came up with Ralph Waldo Emerson. He uh, went by his middle name, Waldo. He was an American essayist, lecturer, philosopher, abolitionist, and poet. He was born in 1803. He died in 1882. And this is what he said. Do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. What do you think Absolutely. about that, Brad? I love uh, Emerson. was a great poet. And I love the idea of leading your own path. You know, we're all here celebrating today uh, President's Day. And it's a great day to reflect on what our presidents are all about and why, if they are good leaders, why we would follow them. Mm -hmm. And if we all blaze our own path as individuals, to me, the strongest leaders are each of us. And looking to Washington or looking towards leadership, those are people that should govern, but not necessarily be the ones who, who make our lives more difficult. They should make an opportunity and be hopeful and aspirational. Well, and to that point, I, as you know, I served on Lone Tree City Council 2012 to 2016. And, and we refer to local elected officials. Actually, we need to change the narrative. They are representatives. This is to be representative government. We need to work to reclaim our representative government, Brad Beck. Absolutely. I think the best leaders in our country are moms and dads. And they are waking up. And they are waking (laughs) up. And it's awesome to see. And so what is leadership? And I think we'll get into that conversation a little bit. But it's important to know and reflect on why people would want to be the president of the United States. Why would somebody want to be a leader of a company? Why would somebody want to be a leader of any organization? You know, and that's something that's important to, to understand as well as reflect on. Today's a perfect day to do that. Well, and one of the things, when I hear a candidate say, I don't, I don't really want to do this, but I feel it's my duty, they kind of have me at, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or, or when I ask them, why are you running? They say, I want to help. 
I said, I don't need any help. (laughs) (laughs) I just need representatives government that will put government back in its lane. Yes. Brad, let's talk with Lynn Grandin. Uh, She is um, with Respect Life. They've got an event this Thursday, and I thought it would be great to sandwich her in here. It's a really busy show. But this is so important, and and the subject of this event is that they're going to be addressing the tough moral questions when responding to the most common arguments regarding abortion. Lynn Grandin, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. And um, may I, with all grace, correct you and let you know it's Wednesday night. (laughs) Oh, it's Wednesday night. Okay. Thank you. Well, let's get that right. Um, I have something going on, so I can't be able, I won't be there, but I'd really like to be there, Lynn. Uh, this is so important. Uh, yes. So tell us, what is, what's this event going to be like? Where is it at? What time? Uh, and again, that's Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. And it'll be down at St. Thomas More, which is a really large church down in Centennial, the 8,000 block of South Quebec Street. It's easy to find. And they have a large hall, so they're allowing us to be there so you can just go in their obvious front door and you'll turn to the right right when you get in there and there's a big hall so 7 p.m that night as you said we're going to stress and explain addressing the probably about the top dozen common arguments that people hear trying to justify abortion and um, with all kindness grace gentleness we are just going to explain how to respond to those arguments because truth and science and reason are on our side. And if people will just just stop for a minute and listen to these arguments, we can refute all of them. And we are there that night to give people the tools that they need in their toolbox to answer these things to their friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors, because Colorado was the first state to allow abortion all the way back in 1967, and um, we do them all nine months long here in Colorado. Many people do not realize that. And um, and we just had a rally, our, our office, respectlifedenver.org, I just had a rally about this in January, right in the middle of COVID, and we had 5,000 people down at the Capitol, happy, peaceful families with strollers. Um, There's many, many people in Colorado who do not want this to continue. Well, a couple of things. First of all, our researcher, Patty Kurgan, has written a very important piece, and it was Colorado was the first abortion state even before Roe versus Wade. So, yes, she, mm-hmm. we realized 1967. Lynn, my question is, since Roe v. Wade, uh, the Supreme Court ruled on that, we've had 60 million abortions here in America. That means, and, and sometimes there may be a woman that's had more than one abortion, but there are many women, and also it affects men and families, um, that had made that decision. And the Democrat Party typically comes in and says, everybody's judging you. And I think there's enough enough hurt uh, in 
you know, in the the person that I don't think I don't think we need to be judging. But I'm hoping you will address how to address and be compassionate to uh, women that have made that choice. Oh, absolutely. And you know that that verb judge that people love to use that scripture verse, judge not lest you be judged, that verb actually means pronounce pronounce a verdict without hearing all the evidence, Mm. which which really changes the, the root understanding of the meaning of that. But absolutely what we do in our office and, of course, in, in uh, Catholic teaching is show that there is forgiveness, there's healing, there's mercy. I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of girls considering abortion and women suffering post-abortion and men. And what's interesting is they don't realize that they can be forgiven, that there is a unique comprehensive healing process out there all over the United States called Project Rachel, which is confidential, personal, free, um, to help both women and men work through all these layers of healing that have to happen in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, because it does affect them for the rest of their lives, and they need healing and forgiveness for that. And they need to understand, quite frankly, that their child is in heaven waiting for them. Many of them feel like their children have just died and that's it, and they're just grief-stricken. But it's not true. We know that we are body and soul as human beings, and that child is waiting for them in heaven. And um, and a lot of times that's really beautiful and, and healing and, and comforting to people that have gone through this process because they were not told the truth by abortionists and rushed into right. that procedure, right? right? right. I, I, I know that, I know. Lynn, uh, this is a conversation. I would love to get you back here and have a longer conversation about this. One of my neighbors had uh, alerted me to this meeting, and so I wanted to get you on so we could at least let people know about that. This is Lynn Grandin. She's with Respect Life, and this event is Wednesday at 7 o'clock. How can people find you? Um, just go to respectlifedenver.org, and um, we have lots of information on our website. And um, for St. Thomas More, just go on their on their website as well. But uh, we hope to see a lot of people, 7 p.m. there on uh, South Quebec Street in Centennial. Thank Lynn Grandin, so thank, oh, go, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, and we're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, uh, Kirsch Insurance Group is a great sponsor of the show. They are specialists in the Medicare arena, and Medicare premiums, my understanding, have gone up. They can help you with that. Uh, there's a number of different plans out there. It doesn't cost anything to reach out to them. I would recommend you do that. Knowledge is power. Uh, their website is iKirsch, that's I-K-R-R-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H dot com. We're going to go to break. Brad Beck is in studio. We'll be talking about his op-ed, Follow the Leader, that will roll out later this week. Uh, on the line is with, with us is Danielle Neuschwanger, and she is a candidate for governor 2022 on the Republican ticket, or um, on the Republican side. And we're going to talk with her about why she's running and what she would do uh, when elected. We'll be right back.
With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. In studio with me is my friend Brad Beck. He is a co-founder of Liberty Toastmasters. He's got an excellent op-ed that we will roll out this weekend in the newsletter and then have on the website. Follow the leader. I can't wait to get to that conversation, Brad Beck. It'll be fun. And I always want to thank Steve for his great bumper music. I love Chicago. Every time I hear Chicago play, I smile. So thank you, Producer Steve. Me too. Yeah. Actually, we have to give credit. It's Charlie, though. Ultimately, it, it falls in his lap, yes. Well, kudos to Charlie. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass the word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on the line with us is Danielle Neuschwanger, and she's a candidate for governor here in Colorado. The election is in 2022 uh, on the Republican side. Danielle, welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, and happy President's Day. Happy President's Day. And actually, the 22nd, uh, this Wednesday, is Washington's birthday, and Lincoln's birthday, I think, was the 12th. When I was a kid, uh, Danielle, I'm going to uh, date myself. When I was a kid, we used to outline uh, like their silhouettes and then hang them on the wall at my school. Now in San Francisco, they actually are renaming schools um, away from Lincoln and Washington, which is amazing. But uh, Danielle, welcome. Why The big question out there is why are you running for governor here in Colorado? Well, you know, I'm a native, and in fact, I'm the only native out of the top three, also a cattle rancher, livestock owner, small business owner, wife and mom, and, you know, 10 years in Colorado, everything in my life is the government, from this tyrannical government overreach, from Polis, you know, telling you my business was essential, to being a muzzling my kids, to the attack on agriculture, to the attack on regulations for business, and I just I've had enough, and so I just said... Danielle, Why I'm going to stop you just a second. Producer Steve, I, I'm having a little trouble with the connection. Do you think we should try to clean that up a little bit? Hey, Danielle, um, we're going to uh, drop this and then have Steve reach back out to you because I want to make sure that people can hear what you have to say. Okay? So with that, Perfect. we'll Thank you. we'll quickly go through the bill of the day. Sure. Well, we, I'm not sure that we can quickly go through it. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and talk about it here while we're getting Danielle back on the line. Uh, this is Senate Bill 22138. Sponsors are Senator Chris Hansen. He has his name on all kinds of bad stuff, Democrat, and Representative Alex Valdez. And it's concerning measures to promote reductions in greenhouse gas emissions in Colorado. The bill summary, Section 1, 
of the bill requires each insurance company issued a certificate of authority to transact insurance business to prepare and file an annual report with the insurance commissioner providing a climate risk assessment for the insurance company's investment portfolio from the previous 12 months. The commissioner of insurance is required, all these great, you know, great force words here, required to post the reports on the Division of Insurance's website. Section 1 defines climate risk assessment as a determination of the economic and business risk that climate change poses to an investment. Shall we stop right there, Brad Beck? Any comments on that? Well, this is just more overreach by people who want to have more control. And we're in a situation where inflation is just killing the average person. Gas prices are through the roof. I don't know if you got your recent energy bill, but mine went up like three times. And I have to tell you, this type of legislation is evil. It hurts the poorest of the poor, and it makes things difficult for all people in our community. But when you start regulating how much energy people use, and this is a way to do that and report and shame, we have a problem here, Houston. That we do. Let's talk to, Let's talk about Section 2. Section 2 requires, there's that word again, the Board of Trustees of the Public Employees Retirement Association, PARA, to prepare a similar annual report and post it on the PARA Board's website. Oh, like PARA's not having enough trouble as it is. Right. One regulation entity to another. Unbelievable. Section 3 updates the statewide greenhouse greenhouse gas emission reduction goals to add a 40% reduction goal for the 2028 compared to the 2005 GHG pollution levels and a 75% reduction for 2040 compared to 2005 GHG uh, pollution levels. 2005 was before all these people moved here. Yeah. Well, and this reminds me of the ESG scores that are being um, promoted through financial institutions, and it's the first step into a social credit score. And people should be aware of ESGs. I don't know if people don't understand even what they are, but they're environmental, they're societal and government uh, sustainability and government regulatory ideas in investments. And so if you go to your bank website, they have a whole section on ESGs. And this is similar to that. It's control. Control. Section 4 defines a small off-road engine as a gasoline-powered engine of 50 horsepower or less used to fuel small off-road equipment like lawnmowers and leaf blowers. Section 4 phases out the use of small off-road engines by prohibiting their sale in non-attainment areas of the state on or after January 1, 2030, and by providing financial incentives means they take from one person to give to another to promote the replacement of small off-road engines with electric-powered small off-road equipment before 2030. You know, small engines matter. We need to tell the the public that, you know, and have a logo of the internal combustion engine is not the enemy. It actually makes our lives better. It's all about human flourishing. So if in the marketplace of ideas you have a small engine and you have an electric engine or electric, you know, Mm -hmm. battery-powered something... Let people choose and let the marketplace decide. Why are we forcing people to make that decision? Well, think about small business people that have a lawn lawn service business. Many times these are entrepreneurs. And so it is taking away their choices. It's going to increase the price. There is an assault on small business. Steve, I know that you want to say something about this. Oh, man, I could spend an hour on this one. But uh, (laughs) I don't want to take away from Danielle's time. But one question to you two. 
this small engine thing. Does this sound familiar? Familiar? Have you heard this before? Yes, California. California. Yeah. California. And uh, I, I, that's where I could spend the whole hour. So go ahead. Okay. Uh, let's ask uh, Danielle if she wants to weigh in on this right now. Danielle, uh, we're, we have a, a little bit more to talk about on this. Is do you want to say anything before we go on on this bill of the day? You know, this is so interesting. So I'm actually the candidate that has a platform on energy security and energy efficiency. And I think that what we're going to continue to see are these radical introductions into Colorado that do increase the cost of living. They don't make any sense. But also the EPA regulations for these bills that are coming through, they are going to crush rural Colorado. I mean, even look at the transportation bill that was passed last May um, for this, you know, all the clean new um what are they, uh, the energy efficient or the electric vehicles by 2030, the 840,000 electric vehicles by 2030, the EPA regulations will limit who can access those transportation funds, and it's going to crush rural Colorado. Look, our, our governor, I think, is living in a space world where he thinks that he can bring in all of these radical things to Colorado, and they're just not cost effective, they're not energy effective, and really they're terrible for the environment. Well, they really are. And moving people to uh, to electricity and Excel and and the um, Colorado government are so in bed together. Big government and big business like each other. And in fact, in my hometown, I have not really paid attention since I got off city council. And it's time for me to start to pay attention. And they had a strategy strategy session last week where they are pushing forward, uh, and they had a committee, I think it was, about uh, reducing or getting more and more people, residents, onto energy-efficient kind of stuff. I have to read it tonight, and I will report on that tomorrow. And, Danielle, I'm going to stop with this bill of the day. I think that we can actually go and talk some more about that tomorrow. I wish Brad Beck could still be in studio. But, uh, Danielle uh, Neuschwanger, running for governor, and, and we had asked you the question why, and the connection was bad. So explain that to us now. Hopefully we've gotten that cleared up. So um, out of the top three candidates running for governor, I'm the only native. I'm the only livestock owner, rancher, small business owner, mom. And for the last 10 years in our state, I've been in every aspect of my life, whether it's my ranch with the Paws Act or telling me I have to mask and muzzle my kids or telling me my business has been essential. And I just got so tired of the government overreach. And I said, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Um, I'm going to really put people first because for a long time we've had these government officials who cater to special interests. They don't care about the people. They're lining their elitist buddies' pockets. Who better than a criminal justice cowgirl to get in there and clean house and put the people first? And I found it, it was so interesting, Danielle, that we are seeing Polis run to the middle. Uh, remember, he, he actually had very tyrannical uh, edicts out there, so many executive orders, but he's running to the middle, and, and he's telling people that he's libertarian, and some people are buying that, Brad Beck. Well, I could say so many things about Mr. Polis, but I won't uh, <laughs> expound. I'll let our candidate uh, talk about it. Okay. So, Danielle, run to the middle by Polis. What's your thoughts? Okay, so a couple of things come to mind right off the bat. You know, he's talking about how everyone should have the ability to choose to wear, their, to wear a mask. But what people don't understand is that he still has not rescinded the executive orders from August 
6th or September 4th, where he mandated our state employees get the jab or lose their job. You know, he was the one that came out against our, our first runners, who were heroes last year, and basically this year said, get the jab or lose your job. Remember, this is the same that allowed hospitals to turn away patients for vital care, including uh, organ transplants. And so I think what we're seeing is he's really trying to rewrite the narrative, but and I always equate this to storytelling. Like, he's trying to tell this really great story where he's the hero of the day, but there's a plot. He is the villain. And I think that a lot of people are going to be nail at the beginning, but when it comes time to put the, the pen to the paper on the ballot to speak, um, or how we wish it was still in Colorado, thanks to Dominion, um, I think that people are really going to remember that he is the villain and not get reelected. Well, Danielle Neuschwanger, uh, thank you so much for joining us. How can people get more information about you? So they can find me on all social media at Danielle for CO, that's F-O-R-C-O, or head over to my website, DanielleForCO.com. Danielle Neuschwanger, candidate for governor uh, on the Republican side here in 2020, uh, 2022. Of course, we're going to be starting the caucus process and uh, the um, county assemblies and, and get to the primaries. Danielle Neuschwanger, thank you uh, for joining us again. That's Danielle CO. Uh, one more time, what's that website? Danielle4co.com. And four is spelled out? Yep, F-O-R-C-O.com. Okay, Danielle Neuschwanger, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, before we go to break, another great uh, sponsor of the show is Hooters Restaurants. They have five locations, Lone Tree, Westminster, Aurora, Colorado Springs, and Loveland. And they have, they're keeping the line on their burger specials. They have a $10 burger special. Uh, and uh, right now, um, with inflation going on, that is a great deal. They have the mushroom Swiss burger, a bacon blue burger, Southwest burger, Western burger, a mac and cheese burger, a Cali burger, or probably white. But I like it's just a plain old burger. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with Brad Beck. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. It is a great Monday because it's a Brad Beck Monday. He's in studio, and we'll talk about his op-ed that will roll out later this week, Follow the Leader. A couple of things, though, Brad, before we get to that, and I think that producer Steve may want to weigh in on this as well, but I was watching some of the evening shows last night, 
And uh, they were talking that Biden has been saying, oh, there's going to be war. Um, Russia's going to invade Ukraine. It's almost like it's an invitation. They're going to invade. They haven't yet. They're going to invade. They haven't yet. And then last night they said that Macron from uh, France. France is going to broker a meeting between Putin and Biden. And I, what, I, what I think is occurring is Biden wants to look like he's riding in on a white horse and going to prevent Putin from invading Ukraine and in the meantime giving up some of the protection that NATO has. That's what I think is going to happen. Personal opinion. Any thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting because to me it's almost a psyops operation. It feels, it sounds like, there's some other things going on behind the scenes to make people fearful. And again, there's that term mm-hmm. fear, just like with the whole COVID experience, mm-hmm. the CCP virus. Mm-hmm. There's something going on, no doubt. There is tension there in Eastern Europe. But is that really the issue or is this another wag the dog situation? Good question. And why would we protect Ukraine's border when ours is like an open <laughs> sieve? What do you think, Producer Steve? You know, <laughs> 25, 30 years ago, this would have sounded, what you're proposing here would have been absolutely preposterous. But we have seen enough. We have seen enough to say that this is entirely possible. And, you know, you're on the world stage and you've got good actors and bad actors. True that. True well, it's that. almost the, the, a part of the Great Reset. You know, don't look what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Look over there. That's where the emergency is over there where I'm shining the light. But it's not where the light is. The keys are over where you dropped them. Mm-hmm. And the key is oftentimes in the dark. Mm-hmm. How many things are happening to us right now where the Great Reset gets drug into the equation? Well, and let's go back to the bill of the day. And let's talk about uh, the whole reaction to the Wuhan China virus uh, when it came here. Why was it? that small businesses were considered non-essential and the big boxes were essential. Why over here on Bill of the Day are they going after individual businessmen and women that have a lawn mowing business? Why? Because they don't want us to be self-sufficient. They do not want the self-assertion, as uh, Alan Thomas said the other day, and that's part of this great reset. Everybody's dependent on government, you will own nothing, and you'll be happy about it. No, I'm not going to be happy about that. Well, our friend Thomas Cranwetter, uh, Dr. Cranwetter, who is just brilliant in his assessment of ideas, and as a professor, brings to the forefront the idea of citizenship. What is citizenship? And it's to be self-reliant, it's to be uh, self-assertive. Uh, uh, when you see a wrong, to take mm-hmm. a uh, to take action, and to be self-responsible, and to know and have civic knowledge. Those are foundational to our republic. And if we don't know that, and if people just go along with their blinders on, they're not going to take action. They're not going to be active and engaged citizens and say, no, elected official, you only have this Elected power. representative. Representative, <laughs> thank you. I always love the correction. Our representatives have to know where their lane is, where their box is. Mm-hmm. And don't get out of that. Right. You know, don't try to help me where I don't need help. Right. What I need help with is to protect my equal, individual, universal, natural rights that are given us by our creator. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And so these kinds of bills, the bill of the day, don't help human flourishing. What they do is they uh, really inhibit 
our ability to really innovate and get people to go to where their potential is. And this is one of the problems we have with people trying to run bills. Every representative, I believe, has three bills. I think total of five. Or five, but I think there's three that they, I forget the exact wording, they have up to five if Mm -hmm. they're given that. Why aren't they repealing? I'm with you. We don't need another law. No. We don't need another law. Let's start repealing this. And the other thing is, is... Congress has gotten lazy, and elected representatives have gotten lazy, and they have not wanted to have to stand on their decisions, and they've abdicated their job over to all these alphabet agencies, and it is time to get those things rolled back as well, Brad Beck. Well, all the folks that are running for public office this term, I would hope that they would take a look at what their role really is. Number one, have they read the Colorado Constitution? That's huge. I asked about that when I got on city council, and they said, it's so big you can't read it. Well, then why is it so big? Our U.S. Constitution you can read in a few minutes. Right. Our Declaration of Independence, the Northwest Ordinance, three of the most important documents that we have as Americans. You can read them relatively quickly. Why do we have in the new welfare state this socialist buildup of all these laws and regulations? When the founders really started thinking about what uh, governance was all about, they made it simple so the average person could understand it. The farmer, the merchant, uh, the sailor, the soldier, anybody could understand these simple documents. And today, they're so intense, there's so much information there, they're so loyally written Mm -hmm. that nobody understands Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And that's a major problem. And so more legislation just is a, a noodle just going noodle bowl of noodles just wrapped around each other and it makes no sense and so people just say well i'm just gonna live my life and they probably break 25 laws in a week because they're they don't know all the laws well and and to that then is then government comes in and they pick winners and losers on who have to adhere to these laws and when we had lynn granite on earlier Patty had done this research regarding that Colorado was the first state. I didn't realize that. 1967, uh, Dick Lamb actually ran that legislation. And we were trying to find the actual bill. Because I've, I used to think it was above my pay grade to read this stuff. It's not. We can all read it. That's what we do with our voter's guide. But we've not been able to find the actual law yet. So here we've got something out there that people say is law, and we, the average people, can't even find it to read it. Right. And if you don't know what the laws are, how can they be enforced? How do we as citizens live our lives to where, you know, we don't want to break the laws, but what laws are essential and what laws are frivolous? And I would say the majority of laws are frivolous. Well, they're taking control. Yes. Trying to take control over their lives. Speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about that little tyrant to the north, uh, Justin (laughs) Trudeau. This is unbelievable what has happened with the truckers. And these are individual businessmen that have said enough is enough, and they wanted to exhibit their right to go and protest their government. And they've been called all kinds of names. They have been peaceful. I think there's been... I think there's been those that have tried to infiltrate and make them look unpeaceful. Uh, And and to that point, I I just off topic just a little bit. The uh, Douglas County School Board, there's been a lot of different decisions on that. And my understanding was last week that there was one of the schools that there were, excuse me, that there were flyers put on a number of the teachers' cars that were, were very unflattering. 
let's say. And the implication was it was those that support the new school board uh, members on that. And we have, I don't know for sure, but we have seen this time and time again now where the radical activist left has actually done things and tried to paint it that the peaceful people were the ones that were doing that. So I don't know. We'll probably find out. But also up here in Canada, this has been remarkable to see Trudeau and, and I was a couple of things uh, I know some people that live up in Canada and some of them said well this is really making our life inconvenient because we're going to have some shortages on some of our products and then I was talking to somebody else and they said Trudeau should have actually had a, a more of a police presence to begin with when the truckers arrived I would say to all of them is get rid of the Mac, the, van, uh, the mandates and we're not going to have a problem well, that's exactly it. And one of the things that I have observed what's going on in Canada, I know a lot of Canadians, especially Western Canadians, I've done a lot of business up in Canada, they're incredible people, but they don't get riled easy. I mean, they always, mm-hmm. the, the conversations I had with my friends up there is that, you know, they're, they were always uh, admiring Americans because we were patriotic, that we flew our flags, we had these great holidays, and in Canada they were they were living their lives, but they just didn't get excited, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. one way or another. And this has ignited a passion I've never seen to our friends up in the north, and I'm cheering them on, and especially in places that are on the prairie, the Alberta, Saskatchewan. You know, there's a a very independent, very Mm -hmm. Western attitude in those provinces. And they're they're very independent people. And they have to be. They live in an area that's not easy to live in. And what's amazing is the heroes that brought everybody to be able to go through this experience with the virus, those folks are now villains because they just want their lives back. Mm -hmm. They want to make the decisions. These are people who pull up in a truck, they oftentimes don't interact with maybe one, two people, if at all, if they get out. Mm -hmm. Most of the times, that's all they're doing. They're pulling up their trucks, people unload it, and they move on. Why are they mandated to have a certain thing, uh, a a jab? It makes no sense, other than it's control. So when the truckers started to do this, it woke people up and said, yeah, you know, why are we being controlled like Mm -hmm. this? And I am looking forward, actually, to this happening in America. And one of the things I'm I'm hearing, I'm reading, uh, I'm listening to is that experience brought here to America is going to be a very Mm -hmm. different experience, simply because we have an independent streak Mm -hmm. streak in us. But imagine if just for one day all the truckers didn't move. What would happen to America? I mean, it's amazing to think of. And it's terrible to think. It's terrifying. We are so dependent on getting the logistics and the supply chain moving day out and day in. And they've done an amazing job over all these years, and we've taken them for granted. Absolutely. The people in the warehouses, the people that are manufacturing, the people that are getting up in the morning, stocking the shelves. And this was all during this fearful period when we didn't know what was going on. And And they went to work. They went to work. And... As you often say, it's two years to flatten the curve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta you got to say to these folks who are just trying to make a buck, you know, and, and uh, energy prices have gone up. It's not an easy life, but it's a life they choose. When we start getting more AI in trucks and transportation, what are we going to do with these folks? They're an important part of their transportation and our logistics and getting uh, products and services from one place to another. 
there's a lot of people who are in this industry, and there's a shortage of drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to think about this, and what are we doing with the trade schools? I would rather invest in getting more truckers out there than sending kids to college. I agree with you. They get a better education. They and they don't have all things. that debt. Not at all. And they can start making a living. And and they're independent. They think in, So I thank the Canadian truckers. I cannot believe uh, Trudeau, the tyrant, what he is doing, but... But it, he's really showing, I think, the agenda of the Davos group and uh, Klaus Schlob and that whole group. Uh, they don't care about everyday people. And they are willing to double down on their tyrannical tirades up there. So uh, thank goodness for the Canadian truckers I've heard through the grapevine that um, probably the first week of March, something's going to start in California. Be coming through Colorado, and uh, stay tuned. It's going to be pretty exciting. (laughs) Brad, back. This is going way too quickly. Uh, Let's go to break, and when we come back, let's talk about this piece that you've done. Follow the leader. Uh, Before we do that, though, Castlegate Knife and Tool is another great sponsor of both of my shows. They are a family-owned business located in Sedalia, Colorado, and they're investing in all kinds of great inventory. So whether or not you're a chef, a sportsman, or a collector, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. They give a ten percent discount to uh, our military. our veterans and our first responders all day, every day. Check out their website. That's Castlegate.com. Castlegate.com. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. It is a Brad Beck Monday, so it is a great day. And you have written a piece, Follow the Leader. And what I find so interesting is... Even in like grade school, everybody wants to be a leader. But um, tell me, tell us about this piece. Well, I started thinking, you know, I was going to be here on President's Day and we look at our presidents as leaders of our nation. And it it, it reminded me of when I was a kid. You know, I grew up in Southern California on those rare occasions when it would rain and we would be brought indoors, God forbid, because, you know, it was Mm -hmm. raining outside. And... We would play this game, follow the leader. So one time my teacher picked me as the leader and, you know, you do silly and stupid stuff and you're the, the rules were everybody would follow the leader. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a fun way to get energy out of little kids and so forth. And I started thinking, well, who are other leaders and how did they lead? 
And I started to reflect a little bit about what we saw in the leadership program of the Rockies. There's a great video uh, Derek Sheevers has on um, the crazy guy dancing, the, the lone nut who's on a, uh, out in a concert and starts just flailing around and dancing. And then somebody comes up to him and starts doing the same thing he thinks, but he really doesn't. And with some type of compassion and nourishing, this lone nut shows him, no, no, do it this way. And so the second person, the first follower, as it were, starts to do it, uh, do it the same way. And the leader who started it all treats him as an equal. All of a sudden now, these two folks are dancing like crazy. And then there's a third person who joins them. And now all of a sudden you have this start of a movement of people dancing wildly. And then the next thing you know, because there's more people there, other people are joining them. And they're not alone nuts. They're a group of people dancing crazily but they're having a good time and the idea is that this first person is treating them as an equal in the beginning but they're doing something in public and they're doing it with transparency i thought isn't that interesting Hmm. leadership is about transparency treating people as equals they may get credit for starting it but it's really the people that come behind them and start to do the same activity or same action and find that the leader is inspiring them to do that. So how do people persuade? And then I started reading how Benjamin Franklin put a lantern in front of his house. And when he would light it at the dusk time of the day, uh, he'd always make sure it was clean and well-polished, and he'd lit it. And then people would see that they, as they came closer to the the light, the illumination, they could see the ground where it was cobblestone mm-hmm. streets, and they wouldn't trip over the sharp rocks that were embedded mm-hmm. in the in the in the sidewalk. And so then people started to do the same thing. What Franklin did is he demonstrated. He didn't persuade people. Hey, folks, Philadelphia. Or did we a bill of the day. This. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so that word demonstrate struck a chord. I said, where did I hear demonstrate before? And then I remembered that Abraham Lincoln, when he was a legislator early on, he was very frustrated because he couldn't get a lot of his information out. He didn't feel he was a good communicator. He was somebody who was self-taught, read the Bible, read Shakespeare, but, you know, really Mm -hmm. didn't have access to a lot other uh, material. So he got a hold of Euclid and read all six of Euclid's books. And in there, there was the word demonstrate. And so if we demonstrate as leaders how to lead, if we have good character, if we have the ability to have virtue and understand where we are in the component of leadership and follower, I think we have an opportunity to get things done in a positive manner. Today, too many people who are leaders are dictators or they're tyrants, and we're seeing that play out up in the north, up in Canada. Human history has always been, there's been coercion, there's been force, there's been tyranny. This American experiment is unique in the annals of American history Mm -hmm. because for the last 250-so years, we have a representative government And that is unique, and that's an exceptional thing. America is exceptional because for the first time in human history, a group of men came together and recognized our universal natural rights that we were endowed by our creator to make our own choices. We didn't have the force of a tyrant. That is an amazing thing, and we need to celebrate that. So leadership is not about telling people what to do. It's making sure that people are able to make the decisions to move forward and have human flourishing 
and really go after the things that they want to do without somebody saying, no, you can't, like the bill of the day. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, when I think of leadership many times, because I've done so many interviews with World War II veterans, of George Patton, General Patton. And uh, I remember one of the one of the World War II veterans said that the the uh, logistics, the supply, he, he outran his supply chains. He went across Western Europe so quickly uh, that he out was, they were having a hard time keeping up with him. And he asked those men, I think it was 120 miles, to, to move so quickly. And they did it because my understanding is, is, he never asked them to do something that he wouldn't do. Absolutely. I remember years ago, I was at a leadership conference here in Colorado at the time I lived out of state, and there was a gentleman named Carl Larson who taught at the University of Denver, and he wrote a little book about uh, leadership in the sense that it's just like businesses. If you have a clear and elevated goal and people understand it, there's clarity, mm-hmm. it's brief, they will follow. And if you are at the vanguard and stay there and people see that you're in the lead, you're not licking your finger and putting it up mm-hmm, to the wind mm-hmm. and saying, okay, which way, mm-hmm. as most politicians mm-hmm. do, uh, leaders lead. They get out in front of things, and they are transparent. They talk about people to people about important things, mm-hmm. and they're honest with people, and they, they tell it like it is. I mean, those I think about the leaders I follow, and sometimes you don't like it, but you know what? They're telling you the truth. And if they're telling you the truth and they are uh, have your best interest at heart and trying to get you to understand the situation, they put in both sides in front of you, and then you own it by understanding mm-hmm. it, you have a chance to really change hearts and minds. But when we're told under mandates and a pen and a phone what to do with our lives— you have a real problem with people buying in because we're independent. We're thinkers. Most people don't want to be coerced. Now, I say that, and then I look at what happened with the mass mandates, and a lot of people want to feel safe. And we have a problem with that because they want somebody else to take care of them. So you have this yin and yang pulling against each other. And so when we follow our leaders, we have to be mindful of who our leaders are and why we're following them. Well, and to that point, when people are presented the truth, uh, and I think that these elitists think that we're too dumb to figure it out. And so, and we saw that with the New York Times, that that they may decide what they're going to report on regarding this Durham report. Uh, we we are smart. And we are have gotten, I think, now to a tipping point where people were living our lives. We're kind of fat and happy here in, in America. We weren't doing our civic duty. And that's how this thing has gotten out of control. And so we need leaders who will lead in their own lives. And I think that that's a, a great point here. We've got a minute. and We've got 45 seconds left. How do you want to button this up? Well, Kim, I look behind you and there's a beautiful American flag on a pole here. And I see an eagle at the top. And... I look at that eagle and its reflection, and like George Washington, I ponder and say, is it landing or is it taking flight? And I think it's important to say it's taking flight. And most people who are conservative, most people who are on the right, they understand that we have to be hopeful. We have to be aspirational. We have to look for the potential in all human beings, our brothers and sisters. We have to really take that eagle seriously that it's going off into the future positively. Brad Beck, thanks so much for being here.
And again, we'll be rolling that out this weekend. Our quote for the end of the day is Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. And I don't want no one to cry